It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal really the most important thing for me was identifying what are the key parameters that can be identified really quickly to allow you to make decisions without what I would say overthinking or, you know, you know, uh, paralysis, you know, by analysis, right? Um, because at the time it was a really hot market and, and a lot of people were getting into a position where they were taking, you know, days, sometimes weeks to go back and, you know, and perform you know, multiple phases of due diligence or go by and run, run, the, you know, spend the days running the numbers and go back, take it to their mastermind when, when these deals needed to be put under contract quickly. Welcome to the Share the Wealth Show, where minority professionals can learn to escape the racial wealth gap and catapult themselves into abundance. Your host, Nicole Pendergrass, grew her net worth from being negative to multiple six figures. Join her on her investigative mission to expose secret strategies of the wealthy so we can all have the tools needed to build the life and legacy we were created to possess. Now it's time for the show. Hey guys, so we're back again. This is the second part of the episode with today's guest. I need you, if you have not heard part one, go back to the previous episode and listen to that first and then come back and join us here today. You need to hear the whole conversation. This is why we split it into two parts. There's so many nuggets. It's so juicy. Go back and listen to the first part. And I think um, or the, ver- the first project, yes, I needed a lot of help with underwriting. I reached out to my mentors a few times. Like there was the first project was definitely a typical mom and pop and that's where the value really is but then guess what when you're underwriting and you're looking at information you don't have a clean little um operating memorandum to look at you don't have something a broker put together with all the pictures and all the rents the and the T12 there's none of that so it's kind of like how do you move forward with the deal confidently when you have no numbers to really even kind of assess your pro forma because even our pro formas were off with what we were going to do, what we was going to bring in in the future, like what the rents per unit were, like just a lot of stuff. Actually, it was a good time with that too, because COVID had been pushing rents up. So we were getting a little bit higher rents faster than what we Mm -hmm. thought at the very beginning. But as far as turning units like that, our first one was a beast in that, that first like six, seven, eight months, (laughs) it was a really, really, hard getting like just staying on everything and I, you know like me I like to do they our property manager gives us a, a t12 and gives us the the um the um 
the cash, like accounting and all the stuff, but I would still take that and make my own spreadsheets. Like I need to see it myself in my own other spreadsheets. I'm making all this other work for me. That might be a newbie thing, but, <laughs> but that was how I could see the numbers and understand and really like dig in because it forced me to do that. But so however you need to do it when you're anybody listening is looking to get into real estate, you know, always trust, but verify. So if that's your way to verify and then to move forward, especially in a deal that doesn't have a lot of concrete numbers around it, um, that's where having a partner who's experienced. And I've tell this people this all the time too, is like, I got just lucky with the partner that I had. Not only was he more experienced, but he also already had the team set up. So I walked into a pre-existing team of like property manager, lender, you know, property management is vertically integrated with construction. So there's a lot of um, like growing pains with that too, because I had to learn how they worked and not rock the boat too much, or I didn't want to rock the boat too much, but I still wanted to have some of my expectations met. So there's a fine line there, but you, you have to give and take, like either you put that all together yourself or with someone who doesn't have it together, or you, if you partner with somebody who has some of those other assets already like in place and that team in place, then you can kind of just facilitate and move in. And now you all grow and build this relationship together. What I wanted to ask too, is what are some of the systems when you were abroad that you, what was the, like the most important things for you to set up to be able to start systematizing, maybe automating your investing journey in Pennsylvania while you're in London? Yeah, so so a good question. So uh, one was, you know, at the time, really the most important thing for me was identifying what are the key parameters that can be identified really quickly to allow you to make decisions without what I would say overthinking or, you know, you know, uh, paralysis, you know, by analysis, right? Um, because at the time it was a really hot market. And, and a lot of people were getting into a position where they were taking, you know, days, sometimes weeks to go back and, you know, and perform, you know, multiple phases of due diligence or go by and run, run the, you know, spend the days running the numbers and go back, take it to their mastermind when, when these deals needed to be put under contract quickly. So uh, one of the things that I really made a priority for me was being able to, uh, one, look at a lot of deals, look at a lot of deals. And when the one comes along that you, that you know, you'll see the block, the neighborhood, um, the, the type of property, the, the number of rooms, the approximate square footage, and the sales price. And you'll know. And you won't really need to run the full gamut of numbers to know this is a deal. I've been looking at the trade price either per unit or per, per building for these units and I'm below. And that happened mm -hmm. to me twice in a four or five month period whereby I had been looking at the trade price for uh, twos and threes and five, six unit properties. Um, and within a, a matter of months, I saw it two six unit properties come up for 360,000. So 60,000 a unit. Now, now at the time, this wasn't dramatically below market going rate at a per unit price, but it was lower than what other people were paying. And when you can understand the, the trade price, you understand that there's equity in there that can immediately, you know, um, get you some sort of payback just for being the first one in the door and being able to close. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I would definitely say that building that into your plan and being able to to identify, you know, and and work with a really good broker, um, broker of record who's able to move quickly and get you and your deal offered before other people. That that was really for me the the number one thing that one the broker trusted me and my financing to be able to close so that they would put my offer in first before anybody else, but that they knew that where I was getting in at what price was going to be a deal that one, they would want to manage and that the bank would, would finance. So for me, those were some of the kind of, you know, most important key systems that I was putting in place from overseas that allowed me to be successful at a time when everybody was interested in buying, but people couldn't move quickly enough to be the one to close on a deal that many eyes may have seen. Um, but by the time that they had seen it and run their numbers, I was already under contract. Yeah. And I agree. Like when we saw the six unit for 60 a door, I want to say, I don't know, trade price off the top of my head during that time, but I know listing price was at least like 90 to 100 a door. And we just went ahead and straight offered the 60 a door. We didn't discount, we offered it full asking. But we realized we won that contract because the the couple of other offers that were in were all under the 60th door. So we kind of just had confidence even without the numbers. And at the end of the day, we were like, okay, well, we still have time to analyze, but we, we need to get this under contract now. And then if we analyze and we find some super huge, big red flag, we could always pull out of the contract if absolutely necessary. But luckily that didn't really happen. Um, and then also... So the main systems is analyzing, looking at a lot of properties and just making sure you kind of know what's going on. You know the market, like you're saying, you know, you look at the address, you know what cross street that is, you know what neighborhood that is, you know the price per door. So that all comes with learning your market very intensely and like going deep into the market. So that's one thing that I tell every uh, people all the time is a lot of new investors will say, oh, I invest nationwide and they don't want to block out any opportunities because, you know, oh, something's in Tennessee and then something's in Arkansas and something's in Pennsylvania. And like they're analyzing all of these, but you don't know the market. And that can be a huge differentiator in how that project is going to um, perform after you close. And so I think learning the market and analyzing, looking at properties all the time. And then you said getting a really good broker who can just like put in offers quickly. Um, now, how do you, or how did you, or how do you vet a broker or someone else on your team to make sure that they are gonna, just gonna be a really good A team type of player? Yeah, so another really good question. I I feel like um, speaking to a, a couple of competitors, I think what you can you can understand, there are some people who are, in it for themselves. They're salespeople. They're trying to sell you something so that they can make money off of you. And um, you'll learn who has uh, ulterior motives pretty well. If you have a, if you have an eye for people and you, you know how to read a room and you understand when you're being sold something. Um, I think that, you know, you know, trusting your emotional intelligence when you feel like you're being sold or you feel like you're being forced into something or you're uncomfortable, you know, you probably are. Um, So I think that that is, you know, uh, one of the big ones. Don't get to build wealth with real estate. 
Are you all tapped out on YouTube University and ready to get help tailored to your specific situation and goals? Have you always known that you are a little different from the crowd, that you never liked following the status quo, and that you're just tired of living in mediocrity? You want to build wealth on your own terms outside of Wall Street? Well, you know, then maybe the Microfamily Mavericks mentorship program can help with that. It's a community where I handhold you through the process of buying your first small commercial multifamily building because not everyone is ready for 100 units out the gate. Why multifamily? Because it gives your rental income a hedge against vacancy. Imagine what happens when your single family rental tenant leaves, right? And why commercial five plus units? Because you have much more control over increasing the building's value in the commercial space and then in turn increasing your own net worth. Starting small is a stepping stone to so much more because then you can tap that equity and buy another building and another and another and you get the point. So increasing your cash flow and your ability to be job optional along the way. It's all a part of the journey. So if you think big, but you want to start small, and if you know multifamily real estate is the way for you to open the door to building a life of freedom, abundance, and legacy, but you just need someone to guide you step-by-step, step, and you want to be surrounded by other people on the same journey, doing the same thing, then just click the link in the show notes to find out a little bit more about the Microfamily Mavericks, and I look forward to potentially seeing you on the inside. So now back to the show. The other one is people who are not afraid to tell you the truth, even though when it's not something that you necessarily want to hear. I think that that's a, a good partner. Uh, somebody who will tell you um, that your expectations are um, either out of reach or, um, or not achievable. Um, those, sorts of, those sorts of partners are, are worth their weight in gold. Um, you, you don't want to be in with somebody who's just looking to make money on a close and, and managing your property. Right. Like you want, and that's one of the things too, that I felt like was a, was a really good selling point for the, for the, the company that we, you know, we ended up uh, partnering with was that they weren't just there on the front end being a, a member of the, the buying agency. It was going to be their project to manage on the back end. So they knew that if we, if we bought improperly that, you know, we were going to end up with a, with a problem property with upset clients who are going to be dealing with them having closed on the property, now being upset at how it's being managed and the costs associated with doing so. So that I think gives you a little bit more of a, a longer range view um, and people willing to invest their time in you. I think that that's another one. Um, I, I do believe also that there is some third party um, vetting that you can do. Um, and I can tell that from one of the experiences that I had when I started to go out and look at financing, for the first property that I bought in the Lehigh Valley with this with this management company, uh, I, I went out and I was interviewing uh, banks, uh, and they were interviewing me, obviously, uh, to see if we could make the deal work. And uh, one of the lenders, you know, who unprompted and unsolicited, who had not done many deals with this with this property management and this this brokerage before, um, told me that he said, "Listen, I got this loan approved for you, so you're going to be okay to close on this property. I'm letting you now know." That if we weren't working with, uh, with this firm, uh, with this this property management company, probably wouldn't have gone through. And what that showed me was that the banks, the local banks, doing their vetting as well, verified 
what I had been finding in my interview process and gave me a lot of feedback uh, that, that again, validated the work that I had been doing to, um, to, to vet um, this, this broker, this property management company. Yeah, that's, that's very, very insightful because honestly, that's something that you hear a lot about. Like if you're in the right rooms and right groups and people are talking, um, like especially experienced investors talking about the importance of the team and people knowing each other. And especially with local community banks, having somebody on the team that's local, like you hear that a lot. And so people need to make sure, like even with me looking to expand into another market, I'm looking at markets down South, but at the same time, I already wanted to have boots on the ground because I know I can't always get there. But at the same time, now that boots on the ground is also going to serve with being able to get financing for that deal if I'm going to a local lender. So that's just all these little working together pieces. And it's another thing that I told um, my, my mentorship group when they're vetting team members and looking for team members to make sure that just when you're asking somebody questions, ask them who else do they know? Like what brokers do you know? What lenders do you know? Because like, then now, you know, A people work with other A people. So they probably know other really good operators for that other industry. And they also wouldn't already work together. So there's already a relationship there. So you're like getting connected with two people who already know each other and already work together in the market. So that's kind of what, happened here with, you know, and I don't know if our lender was already working with our property management company before, but the way they work together so seamlessly now, you would think that they had been working together like for years before we came along. It, it wasn't always that way. In fact, I was, my first property that we did with them was one of his first projects with them. So it wasn't too long before. Um, but again, that was one way that I was able to begin and kind of snowball the process of of making a, a team and i saw how smoothly they work together from then on and now he's writing most of the loans that they bring on on, on small multifamily properties love it yes okay why did you want to come on this show and tell your story and and explain like your journey and all that. You've given so much insight. It's been a really good conversation, but I know that you are also in line with the mission of Share the Wealth Show. And is there anything behind that? Like, where did that come from? Yeah, so so I know, and, and I felt like, um, I, I said this to you, I was like, Nicole, why am I not coming to your podcast? Why aren't you inviting me on your podcast? Like, <laughs> and I and I had to keep bugging you. I was just like, I hear about you talking about me and our project all the time. And I'm like, why am I, why am I not getting invited on the build, grow and protect minority wealth podcast? Um, so to address the elf in the room, right? I'm, I'm, for I'm not For people who are not watching. Yeah. For people who are not watching. If you couldn't hear it in my voice. Um, and, you know, it, this is something that, you know, maybe I, I haven't shared with you either is that, you know, from the outside, people would say that, you know, I grew up in a mixed race family. My youngest sister, Delilah, is Hispanic, and she actually grew up in Brooklyn. Um, and so um, growing up, I, I got to see what it was like um, for my family, right? The, the one that we described that, you know, kind of looked like the Brady Bunch, um, mm -hmm. bringing somebody in who came from such a different background. Um, you know, she, she's now my sister, she's 28 years old, 
Um, she's she's doing fantastic things for our family, helping to look after all of the the grandkids, um, and and you know she's been able to create a life for herself um, through what my family you know was able to put together, the sacrifices that my parents made, um, and and it wasn't necessarily always a goal for my family, um, you know, to to adopt um, you know somebody uh, who didn't look like us. Uh, it, it wasn't like that was on the top of the list. It just happened to be right. That was just, you know, what, what came our way and with, with open minds and open hearts, we were, we were there when, you know, when God presented us the opportunity to help someone else. And, and along the way that really helped, um, form a lot of my family's long-term goals. So, um, my younger sister, you know, Delilah was in and out of, um, psychiatrists and psychologists all throughout her childhood dealing with traumas that she had, um, you know, been through as a child. She came to us when she was about six years old um, and experienced a lot of horrible things that, that, that children should never have to experience. And um, through that, my, my older sister um, ended up going into the field of child psychiatry, right? That's, that, that's her gift that she gives back um, in that way. And, and not, not being the smarter one of the family, I wasn't able to do that. You know, that wasn't going to be my gift to the world. Um, and, you know, I, I felt like there was always some sort of call for me um, to be able to be a part of something. I know a lot of times there's, there's this kind of mentality that, you know, if you're, you know, if you're a white man, you need to just sit down and listen, right? And, and to those people, right, I would say that, you know, I've been able to build you know, two, you know, woman owned, black owned, you know, minority owned LLCs, creating generational wealth for people who, you know, your grandchildren probably will never know my name because I'm not on TikTok and I'm not an influencer, but somehow, <laughs> I, somehow I've been able to have some small impact on, on their lives. Um, you know, and, and through all of, through all of this, I've grown so so much um it's been amazing watching you know your journey um from the person who wasn't sure if they wanted to jump in on this deal to being you know such a force in the in the community for for growing and protecting minority wealth um it's been amazing for me to you know tangentially maybe behind the scenes a little bit be a part of it um and one of the things that I'm really terrible at is, is self-marketing um, and telling my own story. And in the last year, I made a, a challenge to myself to, to be a more authentic version of me and who I am. And, and so that pressed me into, you know, Christian, tell your story, be more open with people, be, be vulnerable and be willing to share with people, you know, why it is that you do the things that you do. Um, and 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 give a purpose and a reason behind it. Um, I think there's a really great um, there's a really great quote from uh, from Mother Teresa that says, "If there if there is no peace in this world, it's because we have forgotten that we belong to each other." And and for me, that's one of the things that I you know I wake up in the morning, I try and think about and meditate on, uh, and I, and I really believe that because we are all a community of people, we all belong to each other. There's there's only um, there's only good things for us in the future when we work more closely together. Um, I believe that that spans races, ethnicities, 
uh, religions. And, and I think that there's, there's, there's ways that we can, we can better ourselves and better humanity um, by working more closely together. And maybe that was my calling. Nice. Oh, I just want to give you a big virtual hug right now. Are you enjoying this episode? Then stop what you're doing right now. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. It really helps our show get pushed to more people who are looking for the information that we're sharing here. We have to share the wealth. If you listen to us on YouTube, make sure you like the episode that you're listening to right now and subscribe to our channel. Then share the channel with somebody else. There are people out there looking for the information you're listening to right now. So make sure you share it with someone who you know needs it. Now back to the show. You know what? We've never met in person. That's correct. People, we have never met in person. We've been working together for a few years now. Three years. Three years More and two than and a half. Two, no, 2020. No, because we met in the summer. So three years. Good three years. Yeah, it was just before right. COVID. Just yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because we closed the we closed the first one in 2020, December 2020, and I know we had met like maybe that summer. Before. But it was yeah that summer that we started talking. Yeah, yeah. That we started talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wow, good three years, and we still have not met. We keep like being so close. Like I couldn't come. Oh my gosh, I'm so mad. Still, I just that was just so so inconvenient. I could not make that happen. Oh, he was speaking, guys. He was speaking at a meetup um locally in lehigh valley but it's like the middle of the week like at oh, six o'clock so even if i was getting off of work that is just it like, was for locals it was locals driving only. there driving back yeah. that same night y'all know where i live i can never find parking i can't find parking at a regular time of the day like i would have been driving you know what you know probably scarred me one time i did do that when i was for my very first time going out to lehigh valley and I went to a meetup in the middle of the week, but I was on maternity leave. That's why I didn't care about like, I didn't have to go to work the next day. So I went in the middle of the week and I drove back, like driving there and driving back the same day is also very hard for me because I am a two hour max car kind of person. So that's two hours getting there, but then I'm going to be up all this time and then drive back late at night, another two hours, I'm like driving at night. But in any case, I got back that night I was driving around for probably another two hours looking for a parking spot. There was nothing, not all the meters were taken, like every spot. I pulled over the side of the car and I cried on the side of the road. Like, I just want to go in the house and go to sleep. And I just wanted to find a police officer so I could say, police officer, please let me park my car here so I can go to sleep. Don't give me a ticket. Like I was so desperate. <laughs> now I want to give you a, like, I want to give you a big good morning time. raining and I I was just like oh my god I just want to oh, I don't know I don't know what I did I don't know where I found parking I might have just parked in front of a hydrant just because I didn't care anymore at that point I was like whatever tip the ticket is I'll just take it I don't yeah. remember what I did I can't say that that's what happened because I really I guess I was traumatized and blocked that out of my brain and I was like I can't do that on a work night I would be calling out two days in a row <laughs> just okay so sorry my little my little moment, but this is the kind of stuff that people, if you want to get into real estate, I'm not saying that that has to be your story or your journey, but sometimes you got to do the uncomfortable things and you got to deal with stuff when, you know, when it's not convenient to make it happen, right? You just got to get outside that box and do things that are uncomfortable. Um, so anyway, yes, but that's my little sob story. 
Anything else? I'm about to ask you the last questions that I ask every guest. Anything else you wanted to share about like your story, your journey, your mindset? You've really given a lot, a lot of information. This was such a great conversation. I think people are going to get so much value out of it. Actually, I don't think I know they're going to. Uh, well, I hope so. Um, honestly, it's been it's been great. I mentioned just listening and being a part of of your community um, has really enriched me. So if you haven't already, um, follow, like, subscribe. Uh, the this is the only place that you can get Nicole Prendergrass, and you can help to build, grow, and protect minority wealth. Um, join the mission, be a part, do your thing, hit a like button, follow and subscribe. <laughs> Thank you. I forget to do that or I'm rushing it in at the last minute because I'm just so it, like engrossed into the conversation and I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to ask people to subscribe or to rate us or review or whatever. Like if you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast. Okay, everyone, you heard Christian say it. Mr. Seabear himself has said it. So you have to comply. He will, his bear claws will come out and get you. Okay. Warren Buffett said that diversification is protection against ignorance. What do you think he means by that? And do you agree? So I'd like to preface this by saying, and no offense to any of the guests on your show, but Warren Buffett is a better investor than maybe anyone in history. And so there's a lot to be gleaned from this. And I don't find it to be that controversial. You can be an expert in a market. You can be an expert in investment. You can be an expert in a piece of technology, but no one has a crystal ball. Uh, diversification not only helps to avoid the major pitfalls that come along with, um, you know, the unforeseen, but it also protects you against not being invested in something that goes to the moon, right? Like there's, there's a protection there that people think of. They're like, oh, well, I'm not going to lose any money in this deal, but don't think about the other deal that's going to, you know, 10x, 100x, 1000x that you're not investing in because you don't like diversification. Um, I personally believe, um, I believe in it very strongly. I am heavily invested in real estate, but I'm heavily invested in real estate in multiple markets and multiple properties um, that allows me to be you know, diverse enough for my personal profile. People need to understand their own personal risk profile, what they're willing to accept, um, and then make the best decisions based on that. Amen. Couldn't say it better myself. Like you're diversified within one asset class so you're still and it just depends on what you're going what you want and what your profile is what's the end goal like you want cash flow you want net worth like you know all the things because even if you're invested in real estate and and in multiple um different buildings if the market goes down you still get the same cash flow like your net worth might go down a little bit, but you're still diversified and cash flow. Maybe some markets, the rents go down a little bit. Maybe some, they go up. Like rents don't necessarily always correlate with real estate housing values. So I do, I do like that. Anyway, these are your short answers, not my input. Okay. In the game of Monopoly, Boardwalk or Baltic? You played Monopoly before? Huge Monopoly fan. Um, okay. I I had a lot to say i'll try not to make this a lengthy answer uh, by the way Jonathan i want to hear all the thought one. process behind because i know that that there is the game correlates to real life so john kasman was the only one to get this right in all of your podcast guests 
So you tell all, him I said that. You have not listened to all of it. No. There's, okay. There's, there's one guy who got what it right. John say? And so what he said was, there are many, many strategies for getting it right in the game of Monopoly. And it is not necessarily Baltic or Boardwalk. He likes those kind of orange, kind of purple and orange properties over on the side. Yes. That's the right answer. Because statistically speaking, those properties are the ones that get landed on the most in game monopoly. Why is that? Because people get sent to jail. They end up back on that side of the board. Statistically, more <laughs> often than they end up in boardwalk and they get landed on where you can, again, be in a position to collect on the spaces that get landed on the most. Now, that's overthinking it. And that the was answer. actually too easy of an answer. And that's why I didn't say with what property on Monopoly board you're going to buy first. I gave two specifics because if I said the middle, yes. everybody would say the middle. Absolutely. So, so, and like I said, without trying to over, you know, overcomplicate the question, <laughs> um, I'm certainly in a place where I recognize the value of both a Baltic and a boardwalk. And um, I, I recognize that in the game of Monopoly, um, you don't necessarily need boardwalk to win. In fact, many people who have boardwalk are not the winners. You cannot win with Baltic. Um, that is at the end of the game, you're never bankrupting the last player on Baltic. So if you think of it that way, right? Baltic is a stepping stone. It is a place to begin. It is the first step on your journey to building your financial freedom, your wealth, your generational wealth, whatever it is that you're after. Right now where I am is I'm hopefully somewhere in the middle, somewhere else, but you can't win with Baltic. You got to go further in the game. Mm, that, I believe, my friend, is the best answer I've heard. Sorry to all my other guests. I love you all. I think that's the best answer I've heard. Love it. Congratulations. You get Thank the you. crown for that. If I could put a crown emoji on your head here. Okay. <laughs> what does wealth mean to you? So I did mention this earlier, um, you know, for me, it's, it's freedom from, from care and worry and the ability to give back. Um, I do believe that right now I am, I am blessed beyond measure with, with, with wealth. Um, I have my health, my family's health. Um, you know, you know, we're expecting our third child in November. Um, you know, by every measure I have, you know, a, a strong financial future ahead of me. I'm wealthy. I, I think that people look at the future and think of wealth. And, and I think that there's an opportunity for more people to stop and look at what they have, take count of their experiences, where they've been, and recognize the wealth that they have in their life right now. Um, and I, I truly believe that many people would say that, you know, by every measure of standard across the entire globe, that right now, today, I'm, I'm a very wealthy man. And, mm. and I think that that's something that I've been trying to be, again, more conscious of in this new year for me. Yeah, same here. Because I was asking myself that that same question. I don't know why I was thinking about it just the other day. Um, but I was I was thinking, yeah, you know what? I am, I might not, I might still have more goals. I might not be exactly where I want to be, but I'm still very wealthy today. Like I have so much to be grateful for. And so much that like a lot of, I, I've just made, some progress in my life. Right. So I definitely can say that, you know, that I'm wealthy. So I love that. Um, the last guest 
left a question for you. And so this question is, what is the one thing you've been scared or hesitant to do? Like whatever kind of, a, you've had analysis paralysis around um, that you know would be a huge benefit to your life. So this, this kind of goes back to the, the baby steps that I've been making in putting myself out there. Um, I, I, I think knowing myself pretty well at this point, um, I, I care a lot about what people think of me, probably too much. And for that reason, I've been very guarded with what people see. I've been very um, restricted in, in what gets posted on social media. I've been afraid to talk about real estate at work. Um, I, I haven't posted anywhere about anything that I've been doing. Uh, and, and for that reason, there's no social media following. Your People can't follow me on any sort of social media platform except LinkedIn. So um, for me, the, the thing that has been holding me back, I feel, has been the, the willingness to be open to criticism. And, and that's mm -hmm. been where I've been trying to take baby steps to be more open and be more authentically myself, you know, both in, in, you know, in my personal life, um, in, in, in real estate and, you know, at work in my faith life, all of these things have been something that I've guarded very closely. Um, and in this, you know, again, where I've been trying to set goals for myself, I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more open to that. Nice. And this is one of the first steps, actually your email that you sent out. I love that. It was very authentic and very just like relatable and a great just like conversation. It didn't sound salesy. It was just like letting people know what you're doing. Like he sent a wonderful email out. Um, and of course I got it cause I'm his partner. Um, and it just was really well laid out. And I thought to myself, when I read it, I said, Oh, I need to send more emails like that. It's just so personable. Um, but in any case, great job. And so now you are doing this podcast and putting yourself out there more. So congratulations on that. And this was fantastic episode. Um, so in, in turn, I need you to come up with a question for the next guest. Okay. It does so, not have to be, you know, real estate or business. It could be funny, serious, personal. Could it be anything? So I, I, I like, um, I really like the Grant Cardone quote, get yourself some big problems, right? Like if you've been ever listening to anything that that man puts out there, right? You know, he, he makes it, seem so effortless and so easy we all know it's not right the rest of us out there grinding know that it, it doesn't happen like that for everyone but i will say go and get yourself some big problems so to your next podcast guest what big problems do you want to find yourself coming up upon in the next in the next year nice okay I'm writing it down right now. Perf, I love that actually. Um, somebody posted, um, this is actually, I've had her on my guest, uh, on my my guest. I've had her on my podcast before, Miss Janelle Wilson. She was early, early from last year. If you guys will go back and find that one too. Um, but how we met was on Instagram because she had posted a video 
um, like a side by side, like she reposted somebody's dance video. So she's doing the dance next to it, but she's doing her bubbles like that showing up on the video talking about, um, and it's called a reel. So let me get with the times on her reel talking about, um, oh, how much debt she was in. And she's like, oh, I'm in, you know, however, I forgot how much it was in debt, but it was, you know, more, it must've been more than a million or 5 million. I don't know what it was in debt, but of course that's good debt because you're a real estate investor. And so I reposted that and I kind of said, I'm working on getting in my into more debt too. Like $505 million in debt is my goal. Like, so that's my big, get my big problem. That's the big problem that I wanted to get into at that time. And so she, she laughed at me uh, reposting that and laughed at my comment. And then we started talking in DMs and eventually like, you know, we've developed a relationship and now she got on my podcast. So you just never know how you're going to meet people. And I think that was just like a great example of like, me wanting a big problem. Good. So I can't wait to see who's going to answer this and what they're going to say. That's a good question. I love that. Um, I was going to ask you, tell our listeners how they can connect with you, but you just told them you are only on LinkedIn. So you can find me on, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can send me an, e an email. You can okay. send me an email at cbear, S-E-A-B-E-A-R, real estate at gmail.com. Um, I'm always open and, and happy to talk to, to anyone and, you know, everyone who's, who's interested in, in just connecting and learning more. Um, but yeah, again, you know, being an authentic version of myself to tell you that you can't find me anywhere else because I'm not really in social media, but um, we'll see if my new marketing campaign and, and advancing of my own personal brand decides to take me away from that, you know, your listeners will be the first ones to know. Okay, definitely, because I'll update the show notes quick in a hurry. So if you're listening to this later, just check the show notes. Maybe there'll be some more social media links in there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Christian. This was really good. I'm so sorry. I apologize for taking so long to get you on the show. Not at all, Nicole. And and thank you um, for all that you're doing, um, not just in the the outreach that you're doing with the people that you know, with the people and, and the lives that you're touching that, that you may not even know about yet. But, um, you know, I, I ask everyone else that's out there to continue to support the mission, support Nicole and what she's doing. It's an incredibly important one um, and one that I'm happy to be a part of. Thank you. Okay. Everyone, um, make sure you did what you do what Bear said earlier, like, subscribe, comment, rate, review, wherever you're listening, watching, all the things, right? So this can get out to more people because Christian's conversation, like his information that he gave was just so like needed at this time. Like he touched so many things on like how to invest long distance, getting systems, the mindset, how to, how to vet your team, partnering and, and picking people to partner with and looking at, you know, the other side and asking how you can help. Like literally he ran through the whole gamut and gave the whole playbook of how to do this. So re-listen to this, take multiple notes, Christian, the listeners and I really thank you again for coming on and sharing so much value and knowledge. You really, really shared the wealth today. Thank you very much. God bless. All right. Bye, everyone. See you next time. Did you love this episode of Share the Wealth Show? Be sure to connect with Nicole by following her on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. If you picked up any of the gems that were dropped by today's guest, make sure you not only put them in your bag, but if you know of someone who would benefit from this information, don't keep it to yourself. Share the wealth and make sure to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you for next week's episode. Subscribe so you'll be notified.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.